You're listening to episode 67 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And let's stay connected on social media. You can follow me using the handle at KellerThings across all platforms. And I would love to be in your corner helping you fight for brilliance in every area of your life. So I want to invite you to sign up for the Fight for Brilliance text and email list. You can do so by texting the word brilliant to the number 33777. That's the word brilliant to the number 33777. I was out there and I was in mental fits like for the last hour of Houston and I was just like staring at these men around me just trying to like calm your mind, calm your mind, calm your mind and like it wasn't calm at all. My mind was freaking out because you're like this is hard, this is too hard, I can't do it um, and I was like do these men believe more than me? Like are they at a point where they're like so mentally sure that they're calmer um, and like they're going to actualize it in a way that I'm not. I remember an entrepreneur I met one time said like when his business failed, he almost didn't know how to gauge his own ability to trust his own senses about the world. Cause he was like, I was so sure it was gonna succeed that when it failed, I was like, what else am I wrong about? Um, and I was like, wow, that's a, like a fiendish level of belief in something that has yet to actualize. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host. And as always, thank you for taking the time to tune in and make this part of your day wherever you are. I want to especially welcome anybody who's joining for the very first time. This show is all about challenging you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life so that you can live, lead, and create more brilliantly. And today, we are talking all about living with nothing to prove and everything to gain. And we're doing this today with my guest, Peter Bromka. Peter is from Oregon and he grew up a runner and at 39 years old, he is not showing any signs of slowing down at all. Peter runs with the nationally recognized elite running group, the Bowerman Track Club in Portland, Oregon. And Peter has ran some of the biggest marathons around the country, including the Boston Marathon multiple times. And in the last couple years alone, he's ran a 219 marathon three times, which is absolutely phenomenal. Peter continues to focus on his running, but he's also now using his love for sharing stories to write about his running experiences and share some of his life experiences as well. Peter is such a humble guy. I really enjoyed this conversation and it was great getting to know him. We had a mutual connection that uh, made this happen. And so I was grateful for the time with him. And I think you're going to love this interview. In this episode, Peter and I talk about how he started getting serious again about running at the age of 34 and the influence of the Boston Marathon bombing on him as a runner. We discuss his journey chasing the Olympic trials and we discuss surrounding yourself with the right people, remembering your experiences as a whole, why sharing your experiences matter relationship between success and failure. And of course, we talk about fatherhood. So with that, now let's get into the interview with Peter Bromka. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Well, Peter, thanks for making time to join me here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looks nice in Texas. <laughs> Is it cold where you're at right now? Uh, yeah, we're getting some fall weather, so it's nice. It's like finally pulled out a sweater. I was looking forward to it. Uh, uh, Peter's in Oregon, and so temperatures are what for you right now? Um, yeah, like 40s and 50s, like, but it's it's nice. Uh, my son is still rocking tank tops from the summer. Like, that's just his thing. So we're we're trying to encourage him to put on a jacket, but you know, can't let a, tell a little boy what to do. <laughs> as as you're in your the 40s and 50s, there for temperatures, we're going to hit 85 today. So I'm 
I'm getting ready to go hit the park with my son and sweat my ass off. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, Peter, you are a runner, you're a writer, you're a father, you're a husband. You wear a lot of different hats and also as a solopreneur working for yourself now after um, years of working inside of some great organizations. Yeah. Let's start out talking about the running side of it because that's how you and I got connected was through the running connection there. And so let's just start right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up as an athletic kid, soccer player and runner. I always find that like everyone has a running story. So I try to tell mine a little bit quickly because, um, it's important, but it's also like, it can be a lot of background. Like, you know, we all had some moment where we started running, but I mean, I am more of the kid who, um, remember doing it. Um, like almost don't remember my first running race or that kind of thing. Um, but then was super into, soccer was bad at basketball all these things um and then ran in high school and when became clear that i wasn't going to be a great soccer player like it looked like my chance to continue with sports particularly team sports was running and so i invested more time and focus into that then ran at a small school on the east coast division three um and kind of reached the end of college running and thought like okay i guess this is done um i've had like such exciting experiences that I um, I don't know how you'd ever match that. Like it seemed like I'm always going to run, you know, a couple days a week for whatever, but um, no need to like really focus on it. Partially because I'd really like solidified in my mind how hard that was, how much it took and how um, it feel, I felt like a fool's errand to like invest that much time just to like lower some, track PRs or like to run a 5k a little faster a few seconds like you understand that it'll mean something to you but you're like is that really worth like taking all the time of my 20s when there's so many things that could be done um so I ran I was living in Boston I ran the Boston Marathon twice and then was like well that was the most exciting like marathon in the world like first as a charity runner and second as a qualifier and then I was like I guess I'm done um so I spent about seven or eight years just not really um competing running workouts uh, just running a few days a week, meeting up with friends um, for fun. Um, and then the Boston bombing happened in 2013. And at the time, I had been running a little more consistently, but not focused on anything. And it just like hit me like so many people and so many runners, like so much in, directly in the heart and was just like, what am I doing? Like that looks so that's the running community. It's just been like totally impacted and I'm not really participating in it, even though I still have ability, I think. Um, so a, fr- a couple of friends and I were like, we got to run Boston next year. And a bunch of us hadn't run a marathon in years, um, but we were still decently fit and having run qualifiers before, we're like, we got to make it to that day. And so I ran a marathon, I qualified, I injured myself, like all the things you're not supposed to do, just like jump in and um, speed up the timeline. Um, but I got to run Boston 2014 and was like on this steady um improvement um sort of like just this path at that point um and it was like one of the most amazing days in running history american running history it just was like so emotional so exciting um but at this point to i kind of back got, you mean the to be back the year after yeah Obama? like yeah boston 2014 uh, like a lot's been written about it and like there's movies about it but like um you know this like the energy at Boston is always, I think, very unique. Uh, you go from like small town to medium town to um, major city, and the, the cheering just like grows and grows and grows. Um, so I've always been addicted to that side of it, like the in the moment, like raw emotion, exciting element of it. And Boston 2014, it was as though the fans, I said, like it was like they were lending us their race course and they were like, they took offense that someone had tried to hurt their prized possession. And so they were like, you're going to, you know, you better finish, you better run your heart out because like, it's so important. Um, and it was, it was amazing. And that was like this huge spark in like, okay, there's exciting communities to be involved in the exciting events. Um, and so then that was six years ago. And I've just sort of steadily been running like 
one to two marathons a year and just looked in with like-minded friends. Um, and it's turned from this hobby that I just did on the side of things to something that I really like focus on quite a bit. Um, and that's what's yeah. parlayed into like some of the writing about it. Um, I've increasingly been telling, writing stories about my experiences just to initially to sort of save them for myself. I think a lot of people journal about um, their experiences and I crafted my experiences into essays that put out to the world and I've been doing more and more of that as the years have passed and it's been just like one of these amazing things where you get started small and just it's led to more and more excitement and just not really like opportunities is the wrong word but like just led to experiences that I never would have imagined yeah when you think of when you were talking about Boston 2014 I literally had chill bumps just thinking about the emotions that had to have been running through you, all of the runners next to you, all of the people watching, like uh, that energy, I, I can't even imagine what that felt like. Yeah, I describe it as like sort of two-sided. Like there's often, most marathons around the world you go and you're, whether you're cheering or you're running, like the fans are screaming like, you gotta go, you're doing great. Um, and that was a day where I mean, I think they expanded the field a little bit to just put it there. It's fairly small road through Massachusetts. And it's um, so they like made the field, the number of runners as big as they possibly could. And then it's just like the fans were like yelling, like with inspiration, but also a bit of like demand, like you yeah. got to go, you got to make the most of this day. Cause like you get to do this. Um, and yeah, it makes me emotional. It's like so exciting. And it's also, um, I had like, a good day. I got to run with my friends um, from years ago and we got to spend that time together. Like I think of a marathon as a whole, like a week or a multiple days. So like if I think about a race, I'll, it'll immediately bring me back to like the day before and the dinner I had with some of my close friends. And that's part of my me methodology of centering myself for the, you know, the inevitable like difficulty of running the last couple miles but I lead, lead into them purposefully by like surrounding myself with people with very positive energy and very calm energy. Um, I have the benefit of having lived in Boston. I'll, I'll often stay with a close friend um, and a little bit removed, like, you know, just a mile or so removed from like the crazy hotels, which can be both exciting and also a little bit, it can like great at your <laughs> uh, nerves. Um, and, so then, yeah, like thinking back to those races, I can remember like the meal we had afterwards and like the beers with my friends where you're just like, we all ran pretty well. And like, this was just so incredible. Um, and yeah, so like I came across the line and like a finish line of a major marathon, particularly Boston, is like my favorite square blocks in the world. It's just like this moment where I'll run into people I've met from around the world, um, people I like know their name but have never met in person you know because you follow different runners on social media or on Strava, you've seen them uh, in races and so then you like after the line um you know like hug someone you just ran three miles the final three miles with that you've never met before you'll like greet your friend your friend will another friend will have like waited for you in the shoot um and i like routinely at finishes will have the official be like sir you need to leave like you need to get moving and you're like, Oh, but like, yes, but you know, eventually people will be like, uh, if you walk too far outside the shoot, then it's like, you, you really should put on your sweats and get to the car and like, and then, then that moment's yeah. over a little bit. And, um, so those are some really prized possessions in my memory. It's like, and that, so I turned and I was like, why is Meb Kaplesi wearing a gold crown? And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, the only person who wins wears a gold crown is the winner. Um, and none of us had known. Yeah. But yeah. You seem like what I appreciate about what you're just describing there is something I resonate a lot with, which is you looked at this race as a cumulative experience. And because of that, it do you feel like it makes each experience more enriching for you? Because we're going to talk about your progression. Oh, yeah. I want to get into that in a second here because um, I want to really dive into some of the mental aspect of the progression of trying to qualify for the Olympic trials and all of that. But just for now, yeah. I was wondering if you feel like it makes even 
performances that weren't what you maybe were hoping for more in enriching when you go into it with this cumulative experience mindset? Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, one of the things I'm most proud of as a marathoner is that I performed like pretty well at each of them, like the dozen or so I've run, um, because I think I'm pretty good at staying within myself. I think I'm pretty good at like that feeling of like what you're capable of and writing that line. Um, so as I've progressed, um, I mean, that first one I ran 308, then I ran 256, um, you know, 247, 241. Like I have people reach out to me and be like, I want to run 230 or I want to break 230. And I'm like, well, that's fine. Um, totally. I get why you'd want to do that intuitively. But um, each of those milestones that you're talking about, is its own opportunity to have a great experience and then mm. to build off of. Um, and if you cheapen, like, so 219.00 is the Olympic trials qualifier, which uh, in the past cycle of four years, which earns you a trip to the Olympic trials of this last February in Atlanta. And so that was what I spent like the last two years focusing on. Um, but when I have, people reach out to me and say they, they want to do that too. They want to run 219. I'm like, yeah, but I ran like 234 in New York and I can still remember that like a movie in my mind. And it was so awesome because if you run within yourself and like you pick a goal that um, is going to be hard, but maybe achievable, like you can have an amazing experience and still a really good time. Like it's just, um, it's objectively like a great, um, experience from beginning to end and yeah. it, that can get kind of cheapened if you go like okay what would you know be objectively impressive to other people um no first of all like all of these things are objectively impressive i remember i, I had run 234 and a buddy had run 228 or 229 and i was like you know that most people think we're the same right like in the running world in the small, yes. small space like you're five minutes ahead of me but like, in the regular world like we're all the same um, and he's like, oh, God, you're right. Like, <laughs> um, and Don't so, you uh, feel like that's one of those things that, that running does is it gives you this perspective that really forces you to stop looking externally and look internally at just what you're doing. Because I remember one morning, I'm, I was trying to get back at running during quarantine here. Oh, yeah. And actually working on speed again, which I was never really fast um, and taking about four years off of being consistent definitely slowed me down a lot and then i'm 40 yeah. so the layers of complications yeah, are there yeah. but i did like uh i think it was maybe six miles or something like that seven and i was able to keep about a seven minute pace for me which was yeah at the time which was good but then i get on strava and i see someone that just crushed like a 13 mile run at like a 6 10 pace and i'm like yeah Oh yeah. my God, I'm a terrible runner. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. So that's like, it's super hard because, um, I mean, there's a, I think in a really meaningful way, some of the people like Meg, Meb Kaplesky, who, you know, won New York, won Boston, got silver in the Olympics, like some of those, him and his peers are good about being ambassadors for the sport because they'll say, I actually think it was uh, Abdi Abdurrahman, who's like also in his 40s and is a great runner. He said like, all runners experience the same thing just at like different times um mm. and at you know different paces and i think that's both true but um and that's what actually binds us together and so then i'm more interested sometimes in like the people i meet who are like i really like as i tried to qualify for olympic trials and i really tried to ramp up my pace i started to really identify with other people who really wanted to hit the boston qualifier uh, which is much slower, but they're like, oh man, I've really been trying for this for two years. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like we have a lot in common of like, you're, you're looking at your lifestyle, you're looking at your diet, you're like thinking, and they're like, you're so much faster, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's, um, and sure I have like maybe more experience under my belt, but like the core emotion of what you're going through is similar to what I'm going through versus like, mm. you know, maybe a guy who's next to me is like, I mean, a lot of guys, I'm 39 a lot of guys around me would be like, I don't know. I ran a at a division one school. I'm 24. Like I'm going to try to run that race. Um, should be in my wheelhouse. And I'm like, this is like way outside my wheelhouse. Like, um, 
this is like exciting because it's so ridiculous. Um, and so I found myself, it sounds like very, when I say it out loud, it can sound like, oh, Peter's trying to be, you know, like very like, um, like humble brag or something. I'm like, no, it's like these people got it in a way that I'm getting it um, versus the people yeah. who are like, oh, well, my first marathon ever, I, ri- I ran 220. You're like, okay. Like, um, there's something, uh, there's something about how hard you had to work for it. And even when you were describing like someone qualifying for Boston, which, okay, so I'm 40. So I think it's 310 okay. roughly or 307 it's whatever it's yeah there's a difference between those three minutes though yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um but you qualifying for olympic trials let's say at which is two hours and 19 um minutes we both we have different struggles but we're both having to put in equal effort to get to that for ourselves subjectively right exactly and so you start to walk this line of like how are you doing are you working too hard are you recovering like um And honestly, so much focus gets spent on, I like to just like, so much focus gets uh, attuned to the top runners, the top finishers, the people who are inherently fast. And as time goes on, and you know, I've been doing this running thing for decades, but I still need that like input of inspiration i need people to follow people to talk to people to run with um like for instance one time in may i was like not feeling all that inspired during quarantine and a guy i know was running a virtual marathon competition it was just like you know we're gonna give a little medal to whoever top three from uh this competition and i was like hemming and hawing about whether i should do it and then um he reposted a guy who had done it and he ran, I think like four hours and 15 minutes. And I was just like, man, that guy just no excuses, like set up bottles, ran around his neighborhood a bunch of times. And he ran it for, he was out there running for four hours and 15 minutes. Like what's my excuse. I'm fit enough to run under three hours. Like get off your ass and go do it. Like stop just being stuck in that middle ground of thinking about it and not even trying. And so I went out and did it. And like, I, messaged him out that guy afterwards who I've, I've never met but i was just like hey thanks for you know doing it posting it up and then helping me get outside of my own head so i'm gonna go all over the map probably yeah. at times because you say things that spark something else for me but uh i want to treat this just like we're having coffee and so i'm gonna follow the flow here with you <laughs> so you just said something though that made me think about uh you saw someone who ran a much slower marathon than you would ever run probably at this stage of life. Yeah. You know, at least now. And that inspired you. And so it's interesting to me that that person putting themselves out there, pushing themselves. And then also I think having the courage to say, here's what I'm doing and go public with that. Does it make you think about the relationship that you have with putting yourself out into the world as far as with your writing with your content because mm. i feel like that as there's a lot of good r- runners that i am familiar with and they're not i feel like great runners aren't loud on social media oh. they're not all saying how good they are and they're not even sharing their experiences a lot like they're just they're doing their thing yeah and i respect that yeah but i was just curious if you've thought much about the importance of maybe for you at least putting yourself out there sharing experiences and seeing how that those could help others yeah, I mean, it's definitely been um, a journey. I have I enjoy telling stories. I enjoy posting on social media and using words to explore um, the things that come to my mind. Um, my progression: I re- I ran two thirty four, um, and then two twenty nine, two twenty eight, and at about two twenty eight, I thought like, oh no, like um, I wrote an essay that I put online called "Why Faster," which was exploring like why do we think that slightly faster numbers are all that meaningful and i was really legitimately worried which is i think a reason why the essay is quality because i was like maybe this is kind of done like i might have reached my peak of a performance ability and i've run new york and chicago and boston and i can go back and i like will go back but like does this mean like the excitement's over um and then i ran 223 like the next week and i was like okay um 
wait a second, I have a shot at this next echelon. And that's what reinvigorated the last two half years of my life. Um, so I wrote an essay called Burn the Boat that I put online that people just love. Like it's one of the more like popular pieces I've ever written. And I was surprised by that mostly because I was like, well, this relates to me. I don't know how universal this is, but what we know is like mm. people are able to read things and map them onto their own experience and make them meaningful for, for themselves in their own ways. And so I laid out like in stark detail, like I'll probably fail at this. This is ridiculous. Um, and it was to make myself, it was like a thought process to really think through what it was going to take or what I thought it was going to take. Cause I truly was figuring there were some things I needed to understand along the way. I'm like, this is cutting another 10, 11 seconds per mile off my personal best. Um, and by the way, let's stop there because if someone's not a runner, oh. what they wouldn't understand is, let's say for me to even go from, let's say I run a marathon at a eight, eight minute you know, per mile pace, yeah. to go from that to 7.30 even, it takes, that's a lot of work. And it might seem like someone's like, oh, it's just 30 seconds off. Yeah. You're talking though, even like when you start getting faster, I feel like those increments of like five seconds, you know, 10 seconds yeah. off, those are a lot harder to come by. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, you just start get you start getting really, really close to like your absolute max speed. Um, so it gets like scarier in a, I've described it as like my first couple of marathons, I was like getting through them to prove I could get through them. And then there was a, um, period where I was like, I'm going to prove that I can like run a little bit up tempo and then trying to chase this external standard was like, okay, we're just going to like just book from the start and we'll practice it a lot. We're going to practice it for a year or two, but like it's, you're never going to feel comfortable. It's always going to feel kind of chaotic. You're never going to have a second to spare. Um, you're really going to double tie your shoes because you like don't want your shoes to come on. Whereas early on you're like, okay, I like, I'm going to, this is ridiculously far. Um, and so friends have said like you should you should do a fifty mile or you should do like even longer because like the vibe I've heard at some of those races is just a little more like yeah you can like tie your shoe and grab a drink like it's about getting through and I I look forward to that at some point in my life um you know doing something like that but it was this idea of okay before this marathon thing is done I'm gonna like just turn it to eleven and just go nuts um and because I didn't feel like I had much to lose at that point. I'd already, like we talked about, I'd had a lot of fun running some other races. New York was awesome. Chicago is beautiful. Um, and so it's just like, I've never been a person who wants to do, some people are like, I've done 57 marathons. And I'm like, oh, that seems like awesome. I mean, like, wow. But it's also logistically, you're kind of bopping around doing them every month or so. I was like, yeah. I like to like focus and be like, okay, six months from now I'm doing one and I want to like make it this perfect I think about it sometimes like in wood shop class, I used to like to make like one box that was just a box, but like was like very sanded and very smooth um, and just was beautiful. And I'm like, that's cool. It's like just a simple thing. Um, so yeah, I put out- You're this, focused on the quality, you're focused on quality over quantity when it yeah, comes to which the, sounds the like running. I'm not particularly interested in debating people. Like some people are like, it's harder to do this or this. And I'm like, okay. Um, it's all it literally is like what gets you excited. So people will tell me yeah. you should do triathlon. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I like watching my friends who do triathlon and like asking about it, but I, it doesn't actually, I can tell in an instant in my like um, heart rate, like does it get your heart rate going or are you like, eh, fine. someone else should do it. Um, yeah. So those are, that's where I'm like a very emotional athlete. Um, and so I try to follow those impulses. But I think that's the way we fall into the things that we're meant to be doing, mm. don't you? Yeah, yeah. I definitely think uh, to a fault I sometimes um, fall intuition. Um, so, I mean, we talked about like I'm a consultant. I work with different clients. And um, when people ask like what I focus on, I said like, you know, I really try to get, you know, like, you might imagine like focus on people and connect with different um, people and then say yes to a lot of stuff because you can always stop. Like you can always agree to part ways. But um, in the five years I've been consulting uh, independently, I've gotten to do a lot of projects because I said yes and then tried to follow my intuition to work 
uh, as good people have reached out to me uh, versus being like, I only care about this or I only care about that. Um, because sometimes like mm. that experience that you didn't think at the onset, like look particularly sexy can be like a really meaningful experience. But do you find yourself, um, I guess how I'd ask that would be, you're saying yes to a lot of opportunities, but do you still find yourself with that fluidity, I guess, mm. do you find yourself being able to still know, like, I'm willing to say yes, but I can feel like it's not right. So I'm going to say no. Yeah. I mean, I definitely try to follow that intuition of like, um, it's like understand your intuition and then try to account for it, uh, logically, you know, sort of they're like, okay, I'm not feeling great about this or, but why would that be? And so I try to like, um, explain, I mean, in the same way that I write about running because I'm like, Oh, that's fascinating. Like what is really going on there? And then I write it down and try to tell the story about it. Um, for my business, I'll be like, this guy, Justin hit me up for a proposal. Um, I'm just making this up. Like, I'm not sure. So then I'll be like, that feels something about that. I'm not, I'll find myself like not getting back to you for a couple of days. And I'll be like, okay, Peter, like write down in bullet point format, like really short, like what's going on? Are you nervous about trying to forge and build a fully trusting new relationship? Are you not excited about, um, I mean, sometimes it'll be as simple as like, he's in Texas and my son is, you know, I'm really enjoying time with my son right now. And like that thought of flying to Texas a bunch. Um, yeah. And that, like that can be a mental hurdle that just I need to get over. Sometimes I'll have to be like, okay, but maybe I won't need to fly to Texas all the time. You know, like we can, maybe we can work out. Um, so it's like, a, it's working through those mental blocks in my own mind at times um, to try to then evaluate things for what they really are. Do you think you have inherited that from how you've had to approach running, whether it's in the way you train or even in the middle of a race. I mean, I definitely think what you make me think about when, so two of the guys I ran Boston 2014, and just to bring it back, um, were two guys I ran with in college. And then we have like maybe two other friends that are close group, the other five. Um, and one of them, again, who I often stay with in Boston when I'm there, said at one point, it's super interesting because the three of you each have like strengths and weaknesses. Um, and your strength is like, you're very go with the flow. Don't push too hard or too little, like try to float in that zone. Um, Brian's strength is he's a lawyer. He's a box checker. I mean, he's been like, he can line him up and he's type A, he knocks him down. Um, and that's gotten him at times really, really fit. Um, he also like had to have surgery a couple years ago cause he checked all the boxes until like he's broken. Um, and then conversely, Nate is one of our friends who, you know, had the most success in high school. He's like tall and fast and lanky. And he's just like the most fiery of all three of us. Like he can go deep and like, he's the best competitor of just like, if there was a guy in a moment, you would just be like, when it's a shorter race and like someone needs to just be like, it's almost that like Michael Jordan-ness of like, he disrespected me. I'm going to take him on. Um, so he's like, the, each of those have their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, and I think mine, you have to be aware of your strengths and your weaknesses. So for me in the marathon, I do think it's allowed me to, um, as I've gotten older, be able to stay injury free as I, and just gain strength incrementally year over year to so just be like, okay, push, don't like you're slacking off a little bit. You need to push a little more, but okay. Like find that line and, um, um, don't, don't push over it. Um, don't push yourself in injury or don't get so fired up that then it flames out, um, after a month or two. Um, and so I think that's allowed me to both stay calm during the preparation and then stay calm. It's been a lot of practice of how to stay calm during races when your body is totally freaking out. I call it like that, like fighter jet, like yeah. all the light, lights are like, beep, 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 you're running too fast. And you're like, okay, that light, is going to be beeping at me for the next two hours. That's fine. Um, so then when I think about my professional life, like I have to kind of set up systems sometimes more successfully than others to like run out of checklists and like try to like set things up because I'm not type A very much mm -hmm. like more go with the flow, like dig into the thing that I'm passionate about. And it can, 
I can have a blind spot around like, oh, I forgot to like uh, send that email about that thing. Um, so I have to account for that. Um, that's like my constant uh, struggle of like, how do you yep. lean into the thing you're good at? Um, because I think it's the thing, those are the things that you can distinguish yourself by, but then not like drop the ball on other elements that are important. Yeah. And there's, you know, when you're talking through all of that, it's just a reminder that there is really not one way to get through something. You know, when you look at the different style of runners, the different things that work, that's why I hate the blanketed questions. Like, what do I do to get faster? You know, what do, what do I, how do I get better? All these things. I'm like, you have to get out and do things. You have to learn you, but I do think it's very interesting that you so are, are, I guess, in tune with the weakness part of it as well of your life and also focusing on, okay, this is where I'm weak. So this is what I need to put in place to protect myself over here with that and having the outlet for where your strengths are, you know, which is running and in other areas. And to enjoy it. Though. I want to, yeah. yeah. I want to get into a little bit of the, not the details of it, but first I want people to understand just how good of a runner you are. You kind of downplayed it before you're like, I, I performed pretty well. Like, Peter's a damn good runner and you run in a community of other really great runners, the best in the country, arguably. I mean, I would say, and, um, and so (laughs) I want people to understand like your progression. When we talked about the Olympic trials, like to, to qualify for that, you know, when you went on the journey of doing that, first of all, it started later for you. You were 30. Yeah. Six I mean, or thirty-seven. Yeah, I mean, when I was really getting into it, really down to it, I was. Um, when I came back to it, I was thirty-four, um, and was like, "Oh, um, you know, I'm still feeling relatively. I've been fortunate that I haven't had like any major fluke injuries. Um, you know, I have friends who've like messed yeah. up their knee or that type of thing, and that can really like send, you know, both your health and your mental health like down." spiraling downward so i've been really balanced in that regard and then the thing was i and i write about this sometimes like i pushed so hard in college because i just thought you needed to want it more i just like was exhausted all the time i was kind of injured all the time um and so when i came people are always like what's the biggest lesson you've learned and i'm like well the lesson i the macro lesson i learned was that in college i just pushed myself so hard and like truly like judge myself thought I was thought when I wasn't running well that I didn't want it enough um and so then as I came back to it in my 30s I was like you know I'm only going to do this if I can set aside that heartache um and sidestep all that angst because this is for fun and it can be I think it can be a lot of fun but let's not injure myself um which is like not something you can just say but um it allowed me to stay in the zone where um what I say to people is like, I really like running the marathon. And I like the lifestyle of training for the marathon. And so I equate it to my friends who golf or my friends who ride bicycle, you know, cycle. Um, I'm like, they're not like, I'm going to try golfing for a year or so. And then probably going to give it up at 35. Like they're like, I want to be a golfer my whole life. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll be like, Oh, I played this amazing course and I hope to play it a year from now. And I'm like, oh, that's actually sort of a similar mindset to what I have. Like I, because people put a lot of li- limits on themselves of like either what they think their body can do in the thir- their 30s or where they think, how long they think they can afford to like invest that time. Um, they're like, well, I'm marathoning right now and it takes a lot of time. Um, so I'll probably only do it for now. And I'm like, okay, like you'll, if you stay injury free, you could probably have a good experience, but you'll only get to like this plateau. Um, whereas I have had this, fallen in with a group of friends that meets up, you know, every, uh, once or twice a week to do workouts together. And we've just done it like season over season. So you run a marathon, you take some time off afterwards, and then you come back and you've lost a little bit of fitness, but like you're sort of building from a higher place than you were six months before. And you do it again and again. And I mean, I can see it in my experience level. I can see it in, um, ironically, like, I think all runners judge their body. And so it sounds really like weird, but you look at your legs and you're like, Oh, my legs are a lot stronger for this met- this movement than they were like years ago. Um, and I got there bit by bit. Um, and so that's allowed yeah. 
me to, yeah, just like shave off seconds over and over and over. And there's not really this assumption. I mean, some of my friends are really into running and I think I am too, but we enjoy the lifestyle of it. And so that's allowed us to get really far because, yeah, the only, I think, 250 or so men qualified for the trials. And, you know, when you're finishing years ago, like thousands in a race, you're not particularly like, oh, I'm going to be in the top 250 of the whole country. Yeah. No, I think it was even less that qualified it was like 160 yeah or something like that and only 112 that went to compete or whatever but also put in perspective my point was going to be with your your age i think the average age of an olympic marathoner is like 28 if you average it out maybe or that could be all marathon winners but my point was going to be you just i don't know like did you just go into this saying I'm aware that I'm 34. I know I have to train different and I, but I still think this is possible. Or did you, did you have that self doubt? Like shit, I'm 34, 30, you know, cause you were 37. I think when you ran your yeah. first 219, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, totally. It's funny. I've thought about it more as people have been, we have a master's team and they're like, what's up, man? When's your birthday? You know, like, when are you going to be a master's runner? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I, and so I'm having this, like, um, you know, eight months from now, I'll be a master's runner. And I'm like, I have a love hate with it because it sounds exciting to be, I'm trying to be open-minded to like what those competitions could be that could like, again, say yes to stuff and could be interesting experiences. But, it, but I'm still of like, keep your head down, find like young guys who you're just like, I, I can still channel that mindset as a kid. Like I can keep up with that guy. I can beat that guy. Um, and, but also not hold so closely to it. I'm not like a jackass that's, you know, cutting people off and trying to beat everyone in every, in a race. Like I've gotten, I always say people, um, say like, how do you qualify to run train with your team? And I'm like, honestly, you just show up and you check your ego to train with us. We have guys who are much slower than us show up and they're like, well, what are you guys doing? And we lay it out and they're like, okay, I'll do, I'll do half of that. And I'll jump in and out. And we're like, okay, like, you know, as long as you're not a jerk and like, you're willing to check your ego and um, we don't mind if you jump in and out and just, if you're on the same path of trying to improve with us. And so I do that as well. I'll like do parts of workouts of guys who are much faster than me. And it, that takes a certain mindset um, and it takes a certain community that's willing to not uh, I've been, I've like arced towards and participated a few times in workouts with like guys who just want to beat up, beat up on each other every day. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. This isn't, it's, it's kind of like, you know, intuitively it's not yeah. fun. It's like, it makes you feel bad about yourself. You're exhausted. And you're like, this is not sustainable for as long as I want to do it or that I can do it. Yeah. Well, and just for reference, I mean, you running with the, the Bowerman, you know, track club elite, like these are not uh <laughs> some shabby runners out there and so i feel like um it's not for this discussion but i have just experienced that runners that are more elite or even these masters that i know of, they're more humble and than a lot of the guys maybe in my age group that are trying to qualify for boston or something it's yeah there's like nothing to what I love about running is I've been around it long enough that I have nothing to prove and a sort of everything to gain. Um, because I know enough about the sport that I know where I sit in it. And I, um, it's pretty easy for me to not overly brag about, um, like how good I am. It's sort of like, it's just self-evident. And so then, um, yeah. I mean, we got introduced by my teammate and friend, Chris, who, when I met him, was like significantly, he'd, he'd run a marathon that was many minutes faster than me. And so, yeah, you're like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. I bet I could learn or build by training with him. Let's try to do some workouts together. And like, there's a, if you can stay positive about it and you like the people, I mean, I've had times when he's just like skipping off into the distance. I can still picture these moments in races where like, I know what his stride looks like when he's just like flying away and you're like, okay, stay calm, like keep him in your sights. You know, you're not going to beat him today. 
but if you can even still see them by the finish, you're going to run a huge personal best. And that type of thing um, is super powerful um, to just latch yourself mentally onto something like off in the distance as opposed to like looking internally and getting down on yourself. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up, um, I guess we haven't really said it like the qualifier is 219.00 um, and I ran 219.02 this past December. Um, and I ended up running 219 three times in the last two years. Um, and afterwards, like I got all these condolences and all these congratulations. And it was kind of tough because the one message that I got that I, that really like sat with me was from our mutual friend, Chris, who was injured this year and he wasn't able to participate. And he's like, I wish I'd been able to be out there for you with you. Mm. And I was like, you know, you're right. Like, I, I ran well in the day and I have no excuses and like not making any justifications. But like if he, if he had been there, I think I like, it's the one of the few things I think I could have like, that would have propelled me to go even a little bit faster. Cause you're like, Oh, that's my friend in the distance or that's my friend right next to me. Like, um, yeah. I gotta go. Um, it just, those are the things that keep it, that simplify and help you focus on just like what you can do in the moment. There's something really cool, I think, about facing some really big struggles with others. Mm-hmm. And racing, I'm not a competitive racer, so when I say racing, people need to understand. I just mean being participating yeah. in an organized race. But racing has helped me. I'm a very stubborn person by <laughs> default and fly solo. So for me, I've been learning just how much I need community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm recently reached out to hire a coach because I'm I'm realizing I should want to get better. Huh. And I think I've done all I can do on my own. You know, did you have to learn it? I'm 40, by the way, so it took me a lot longer to learn this. Did you have to learn that, or are you somebody you've always really enjoyed the community aspect and have always oh. known the power of others? Yeah, I mean, I'm just such a social person that um, it's sort of. Again, I grew up a soccer player, which I think is mostly worth mentioning because soccer is just so subjective and so you need the team. Like, you know, basketball players see this all the time. Like they got to pass the ball, but like soccer players really have to pass the ball because like all the players can just come together and stop them. Right. Um, So I love that um, squishiness of like, we all, we don't really know why this team won. They were like kind of better. And I, my school, I grew up in a community that was about soccer, not football. And so like just that excitement I was addicted to, like um, the soccer teams were like, that's where all the energy was. And so I've been, I've really followed in terms of my running. I followed like, what are the teams that have a big team element that have like, um, that's why I didn't sort of chase what's the best like division one program. What's like the, maybe a division one program that would have accepted me. I really wanted to be part of a division, a smaller school program that um, I was capable of contributing to and being a part of. I ended up like being captain of my team for two years and just really enjoyed that whole experience. And then I've also seen how, I mean, I, I put it simply for um, people in that like, when I go to the track, if I, you know, for the non-runners out there, you can get this, the workout you need many different ways. You can run to it, go to a track and like run around and time yourself every lap or every half lap and just like really hold your nose to the fire of like, am I hitting this split? And what I've found over the years is like, if I'm alone and I do that, I just get in a really negative feedback loop and I just really, I doubt myself and I just don't enjoy it. Whereas over the years I've realized, okay, if I'm with others and I can just be like, stick with that guy, um, maybe check your watch or maybe don't even check your watch. It doesn't really matter. It's like about the physical stimulus of working hard um, with and trying to move around your friend or like follow your friend or like yeah. sometimes I'll be like exhausted and I'll be like, okay, but I'll, it's my turn to lead one. So I'll lead this one. You can just get in a ton of work that otherwise, if I was doing it alone, if I have friends who do a lot of their training alone and I'm like, Hey man, I know that, Oftentimes it isn't quite at the pace that I do my workout at that, but I'm like, I'm very impressed with what you were able to get out of yourself totally solo. Um, because what I, what I do when I'm solo is I'll just go out on the, like a, a 
trail or a path um, by the river and just um, go with no splits and just like run based on yeah. minutes. I'll be like two minutes hard, one minute easy, three minutes hard, two minutes easy, um, things like that. Because I just, uh, it's, I find that I have to stay, I'm a very positive person, but I also have to put myself in environments that I can stay yeah. positive to get the benefit. Yeah, that community aspect, especially with the running and it's just something about a better running with people who are better than you and surrounding yourself with people who are better. It's intimidating at first, but yet that's what makes you get better. Um, yeah. In business, you know, you, I'm always scared when I come across a leader who thinks and knows he's the smartest person in the room and like tries to always be that it's kind yeah. of the same, same thing. There's a ceiling that the organization as a whole will hit in their lives. Um, I want to respect your time and there's oh, yeah. something I really want to dive into you as far as, and I bring this up to point out first that it's impressive that I think a two year window, you, you hit 219 in some seconds, three times, <laughs> yeah. which is m most people can't comprehend that if they're not a runner, but as a runner, like I just want you to know that is actually really phenomenal. <laughs> it's not easy. So, and I'm, you're not going to brag on yourself. So that's a big deal. And now the, the difficult side of that is to qualify for the Olympic trials. You can't have 219 in two seconds. You have to yeah. have 219.00 yeah, yeah, faster. Yeah. And so hitting, I guess I call it like you came almost close enough not to minimize the effort or what you did, but it's just, it's just what it takes to qualify. Yeah. Did, what did you learn? Because I think this is in life. There's a lot of times we set a target and then we maybe don't hit it all the way and we miss out sometimes not seeing uh, the journey and we just yeah. thought, Oh, it was supposed to be just that target. So what did you learn through the process of repeated close enough <sighs> times? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question just because it strips it back a little bit from the focus on that, the qualifier. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I joke to a friend who's more of a stats guy. I'm like, I am, I'm a, approaching statistical significance that I'm a 219 marathoner. <laughs> um, um, so one of the things I learned was like, I wasn't even thinking of myself as a 219 marathoner until all all over because i was so focused on this other goal you know um which sounds a little bit negative it sounds like well you didn't enjoy it it's like no um i enjoyed the experience the process of doing that was um it was like having a audacious but um maybe possible goal that you say you know i want to sell fifty thousand. um and as long as you're not going to go out of business, if you sell 45,000, like if you put into place all the things necessary, um, the behaviors and the expectations and the routines to, to sell 50,000 um, and you fall a little short, you're, if it meant a lot to you, like you're still going to be pissed, but like you'll have come a long ways. And um, I'm a positive enough person that I'm not like, oh, nothing I, I did is meaningful. It, it's all failure. I think failure, when I joke about that statistical significance, like if I had run three seconds faster, I would have qualified for the trials and I would have gotten to run in Atlanta. And so I actually went to Atlanta and cheered on the guys and got to see men who were three seconds faster than me reach their breaking point, you know, where they, um, where they reached a logical point at which they could no longer really continue going at their pace. And so I'm like, Oh, and now they've reached their, point at which they can't go any better um and so it sometimes like the simple description of these feels like too um too simplistic but the idea that like success and failure are right next to each other and they're intertwined and as long as you're focused on the things that get you there you will find the point at which you're like man i, I couldn't quite get beyond that um and i you know I think it's important to acknowledge factors without um, beating yourself up or making excuses. So for instance, like this past year I ran 219.02 and it was a little bit humid um, that day. And then the next, 
I tried. Is this the one that you were running in Houston? This is when I ran in Sacramento. It had rained the night okay. before, um, and up until that morning. And there was, I mean, I, my cousin said like, oh man, there was water on the ground that must've cost you. And I'm like, I was like, no, like the footing was traction was fine. He's like, Peter, it's two seconds. Like the, any traction or any little thing could have cost you. And I was like, okay, so you're right for me to qualify with the fitness I was in, I would have needed like a, probably a perfect weather day. And that's beyond my control. So it's not to say it's an excuse, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I wouldn't say either of my attempts this winter were perfect weather days. Like there was, it was windy in Houston. Um, I finished like the last three miles into the wind and I really fought for it and ran like two nineteen twenty uh, two, I think. Yep. And um, was like, okay. Um, I know I left it out there and you know, the guys ahead of me didn't need a perfect weather day and that's okay. Like it doesn't take anything away from me. How do you balance the idea of like in these two races specifically, you just mentioned Sacramento and Houston, I'm capable yet there's something out of my control. So what's the mental game for you after something like that? Because you can't just linger obviously the, the negative aspect of it or just linger in, I was capable. I should have had it. You know, like that's not going to do any good either. So yeah, I'm just curious how you balance that knowing I was capable, but there's things out of my control. Yeah. Um, I think it, for me, it starts with, um, approaching it from before. So you think through, okay, what are the factors going to be? And what, what are the things I can do about them? Either like, what I wear on the day, how I fuel on the day, how I pace on the day, like how I approach the event. Um, and then afterwards, like taking stock again, this is a hobby. And so it means a ton to me, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not a business folding, you know? Um, I don't, I like, I'd like to think about these principles in terms of what they could do to help us all be better at things. But at the same time, I, there are fast, hard and fast lines in certain parts of life that are like make or break. Uh, I didn't get to run at the trials, yeah. but I got to cheer on the trials. Um, if you don't make payroll and then you have to, you can't pay rent. Um, it's a different black or white. Um, but in terms of like strategizing for it and being like, where is good? Where, how can I put myself in a position that I can make adjustments on the fly and it could end up okay. So for instance, like I've run well in Boston twice when it was hot and people are like, how did you run so well? And I'm like, well, I went in like pretty heads up and I didn't like, oh, I was aware of how warm it was and I didn't totally throw out my standards and just say like, well, I'm just going to jog today or I'm not going to start. Um, but I also like, I'm pretty good at checking back in, in the heat of the moment like literally when it's hot out and going like, okay, am I, am I going too fast? I need to, I need to not yeah. wait. A lot of friends will tell me like I was out there and then I like just bonked and it was too hot and I jogged in and I was like, okay, like, um, no ridic- not criticizing you, but like, seems like you went and you went over that threshold and then you couldn't come back. Um, and so it's like walk a delicate balance to walk that line and really keep checking in with yourself. I call it like, um, the audacity to like, in the moment say, you know what, I need to, um, I've planned for this. I need to dial it back like just a little bit, but not a ton. And so how do you do that? Um, and then also, so for instance, running well in Boston, um, is a very loose definition, you know, like, um, no one, I ran two twenty three oh nine um, this past year in Boston and no one's like, oh man, you didn't break two twenty three by nine seconds. Um, you could have had it like, exactly. it's just sort of like, yeah, yeah. You know, um, okay. You, you did well. Sorry. You're able to see then that like the Olympic trial target is just that number. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just a number, but performance wise, you freaking kicked ass and you yeah. feel good about what you did with the day you had. Right. Yeah. And you say, I mean, there was a moment. It's interesting. You talked about entrepreneurship. I've been trying to write about this in a piece. Like I was out there and I was like, a mental, I was in mental fit, like for the last hour of Houston. And I was just like staring at these men around me, just trying to like, calm your mind, calm your mind, calm your mind. And like, wasn't calm at all. My mind was 
freaking out because you're like, this is hard. This is too hard. I can't do it. Um, and I was like, do these men believe more than me? Like, are they at a hmm. point where they're like so mentally sure that they're calmer um, and like they're going to actualize it in a way that I'm not? Um, I remember an entrepreneur I met one time said like when his business failed, he almost didn't know how to gauge his own ability to trust his own senses about the world because he was like, I was so sure it was going to succeed that when it failed, I was like, what else am I wrong about? Um, and I was like, wow, mm. that's a, like a fiendish level of belief in something that has yet to actualize. Um, and so I mm. found myself yeah, doubting in that moment. Um, you know, it's like knowing that you're going to have positive and negative um, thoughts throughout the process. And, but just trying to, continue to stick with it um, and not because it isn't um, I think there's a beauty in the pursuit of some of this marathoning stuff because it you want to beat other people but it's for the most part not um, like winner take all like you want yeah. you know you and I can do it together and if we both succeed like I might get one place behind you um, but that's still okay it's not like winning out on a contract and like I yeah. lost and you won well, I like hearing too, just how you approach things and are able to put it into a bucket and say like, this isn't make or break. It, I'm going to give it my all, but there's non-negotiable, there's critical, and there's also hobby that deserves all my heart, but not all of my emotions, you know? Yeah. Um, let me ask, do you have time for one more question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I want to ask a question on the dad side. I'll <laughs> leave it at this. Just because... The, you know, as a dad here, my son's six this oh, Sunday. Yeah. Your son is five, five and right? a half. Yeah. 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 So I got to close it out on a dad moment because I, <laughs> I I love this stuff. It's the best. My question for you, and it's kind of loaded probably and unfair, <laughs> <laughs> but just for the sake of today, yeah. you can change your mind next time we do another interview. But what do you think about more? How your son views you as a runner or how he'll later feel in life with the words that you write. Oh, wow. Um, you know, it's funny as the more I add to this body of work of that I've written, I'm like, I wonder how much my son will end up reading of this. Like, you know, when you've written one essay or two essays, you're like, he'll probably read it. And as I write more and I put more of myself out there, I'm like, um, I, it's meaningful. I try not to, I sometimes try not to think about it because it's almost overwhelming. Like he's five, he can't read yet. <laughs> but like the idea of writing for my son later in life would be too much for me to even fathom versus like sending an email, you know, to thousands of people um, is like, okay, I can do that. Um, and they can subscribe or unsubscribe based on like their preference. But um, yeah, I just, people, there's a lot of like mapping of assumptions onto parents and, you know, like all this expectation game and like all the comparisons. Uh, so people are like, Oh, he's going to be such a runner. And I'm like, listen, all I care about is that he finds something that he finds joy in that he um, enjoys participating in that he like continues to take seriously. Um, so we, yeah, I imagine at some point in life we'll say like, if he's not doing it, he'll say like, you need to find something that you're going to, you know, focus your time on. Um, and that is going to keep that you find exciting. Um, because I know having been a soccer player and also having been such a serious runner, um, you, it can be a journey. Um, and it certainly doesn't need to be that he's a runner or that he like, um, you know, I want him to see the value in the, core elements of living a passionate life with friends and um, finding like the simple pursuit of those goals to be meaningful um, more so than um, like re respect for me as like an athlete per se. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why I said it's loaded and unfair because <laughs> what you just said at the end, you wanted to see, you know, a passionate pursuit of the things in life. I feel like, from what I'm getting to know with you that I can observe it. And I'm sure that that's what he's observing. The other day 
my son was with his mom and I guess at school they said like, what do you like seeing your daddy do? Uh, and of all things, I was really surprised, but he said running and cause I pushed him in the stroller still. Yeah, it's so fun. And, and so you just think about like these kids are absorbing, you know, everything and they're observing everything, whether they tell us or not. And so totally. I think I'll just close it out with saying, uh, I just want to commend you because I feel like, you have a humble approach to being passionate about pursuing life. Mm. And as I'm getting to know you, I like that. I, I feel it in your writing and I felt it even today as we're talking. Yeah, I think it's a balance of like, I think a lot about um, how do you take your endeavors super seriously, um, but not take yourself so seriously. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, how do you um, say, no, it, how do you have the, Cause I hear a lot of people say like, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm like, no, I mean, the funny part is like, it can really, really matter, but it doesn't mean mm -hmm. that it um, totally defines you. Um, and so how do you have like this calmness to put yourself on the line? Also knowing that you'll be all right. However it works out. That's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the work right there. That's hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, Peter, I, I I know we went a little bit over our time here today, but um, I'll have to have you on again some other time and just <laughs> dive into like some of your your writing and maybe pick one piece and just jam on a topic because I yeah, really enjoy. Yeah, it'd, it'd be fun. Chatting with I, put, you. I, I try to think these things through in words, and it, it's a lot of fun. But it is like um, I think of them as works in progress. You know, it's like thoughts in progress. So it'd, it'd be fun to chat it over. Have a great day. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. And as always, everything you need to stay connected to Peter on social media or Peter's writing is right there inside of the show notes. And I would highly recommend that you connect with him and especially take the time to read some of his incredible articles that he's written. Uh, like I said, he's just a brilliant thinker and just a really humble human sharing some really authentic experiences in life and running. So check those out. And as always, I would like to ask you to do a few favors, which one, hit subscribe if you have not subscribed to the show and then rate and review the show if you haven't done that as well. And share this with two or three people. Let them know that you're listening to the Fight for Brilliance podcast. Share this episode. Let them hear uh, Peter's story, be inspired by that and also other episodes that are here. And so thank you for helping grow this community and thank you for being a part of this community who are choosing to rebel against complacency and conformity and to fight for brilliance in every area of our lives with that i'm going to leave you with your weekly reminder that you yes you you are brilliant